Hi, it's Maria here and welcome to episode 8 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. Have you ever seen a painting which clearly represents, say, a tree in a landscape or a bowl in a still life, but when you go up closely you realise that it's really only a couple of expertly placed brush strokes? My guest today is John Bockhaw. He's not only skilled in conveying forms in this way, but he does it with the exciting use of line, brushwork and vibrant colour. His landscape and still life works are held in many public and private collections across Australia. He's won several art prizes and has had over a dozen solo shows. I met John at his home in Bulleye, south of Sydney. We talked about his art education in Sydney and travel overseas, where he was inspired by Bonnard's bath paintings. And he talks about why your personality has a big impact on the way you paint. He gives many insights into his process and technique and describes the motivational anti-pep talk he gives his art students. All the works we discuss are on the website, talkingwithpainters.com, as well as details of John's November solo show at Sydney's King Street Gallery. I started by asking John where he spent his childhood. I grew up in a terrace house in Wallara, which used to belong to my grandparents when they emigrated to Australia in 1956. They came from Hungary, from Budapest. That was... Uh, their first house. It's funny to think of migrants going to Willara. I always think. <laughs> yeah, Willara, by the way, just for people who aren't from Australia, Willara is in Sydney and it's uh, quite a sort of well to do area. It's quite a well to do area now, <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't then. I mean, it was all right, but it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't what it is now. Did you draw much as a child? Was it, were, were your family an artistic sort of family? Yeah, my father um, is an architect, still practicing. And there was always pencils, paper, erasers, everything. Um, and I used to love the big sheets of paper, you know, to draw on because they were so big, you know, that you'd use for architectural plans. You used to, you know, put it out on the dining table and you could start in one corner and draw like an enormous scene and colour bits in and everything. It was oh, fabulous. Oh, must have been yeah. amazing. Loved, loved all of that. Always loved drawing at, at school, um, and we had a we had a fabulous teacher actually. The one thing that she did, which which was really amazing, she was very supportive in in whatever you wanted to do. She said to us in the final years when we were seniors that we could use this special room that came off one of the main art rooms that was called the seniors' room. And you could use that to, to work on your major projects or any drawing, any things that you had to do. Um, and she said, and I will never ask you where you're supposed to be, which what? was wonderful. So we used to spend <laughs> large parts of the day in there. So you'd miss classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd be listening to music. We'd be doing painting and drawing. And I think she just shared our distaste for the rest of, of what was going on in school. Yeah, it was... It was just wonderful to have that kind of freedom. And then, of course, the end of school came and, um, and my marks, of course, weren't that good because <laughs> I was in the art room a lot. And the, the art schools that, uh, that you could apply for were um, the university ones and they, were, they both required some 
mark that was higher than what I had to, to get in. Anyway, and so my father, you know, he said, uh, well, you know, have you thought about East Sydney Tech? And what was that like? What was the National Art... Well, East Sydney Tech, it was known as yeah. then, but it's National Art School. Oh, it was, it was heaven. It was like, <laughs> it was like every, every day you were in the art room, you know? It was great. <laughs> um, but I, all I wanted to do in, in first year there was draw. And then they said, oh, well, you have to, you know, you have to pick another subject to major in in second year. So I chose printmaking. It was great because... I learned how to etch and, you know, that was something I still love to do. Well, it's very closely related to drawing, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's such a unique line. You can't actually make that line in, in drawing. It's a kind of, it's a slippery, funny, sharp little line that you can't make with a pen. You can try and it's... You know, you can get kind of close, but mm. it, it, it's a line that, that is, is um, you only get in etching, and, and, okay. and I've always loved it. So I did these two things. I did printmaking, and I, and I did a little bit of painting. Then halfway through the year, I really enjoyed painting, and mm. I wasn't that into printmaking, so I wanted to change. What do you think, what caused you to become more interested in painting? Uh, a friend and I were... Um, spending a lot of time looking at Van Gogh and um, and Cezanne at his place. He had these two wonderful big books on their work. And we would look at these books and we'd try and, and, and do little paintings and we'd go out to the, um, the headland near his place and do little paintings looking out at the landscape there. Mm-hmm. And and I really enjoyed it. And, yeah. and printmaking was really getting uber technical and we're getting into aqua tinting and all this sort of stuff and mm. lithography and it was all about you know grinding down the stone a million times before you work it was nothing um spontaneous about yeah. anything we were we were learning at that time yeah right and so i wanted to change and and uh and they wouldn't let me because i was too crap at painting because um <laughs> because i hadn't been giving painting that much effort or time yeah and then this friend and I, we, we just, you know, we suddenly got excited about painting. And so, of course, I wanted to paint more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're like, yeah, but you're terrible at it, you know. Um, <laughs> and so I, I had this meeting with, with I don't know, the, the head of painting or something. I can't remember who, who it was. But, um, and I'd been out the night before with some friends and we'd got drunk. And so I had a hangover. So I was in a, I was in a bit of a grumpy mood and... and you know, I was like 18 years old or something. And, uh, you know, I had this meeting and I got so angry at them. And I said, you know, I just want to do it. And, and in the end they said, oh, all right, all right. We, you know, we don't really have a, a space for you, but, you know, you can you can go and do it. And so I ended up, I was, uh, I was able to paint. And so how did you... Um find it when you got into did you did you think you weren't as good as the others in that class when you did it then following you well you've got to understand something about the school at that time was that um it had this huge bent towards uh abstract painting and more specifically abstract expressionism um we had teachers like um Aida Tomescu and Bill Brown John Peart was there 
anyway, abstraction was, was it ruled the roost. Mm. Yeah, Elizabeth Cummings was there as well. Although Elizabeth, you know, she had great fondness for figurative work as well, for, you know, interiors and still lifes and life drawing and, you know. Mm. Um, but the, the others were very much, it has to be loose, it has to be free, it has to be, mm. you know, without any boundaries at all. And it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I actually wanted to paint from life. I wanted to paint figures and, you know, mm. Um, mm. mainly figurative paint, mainly, you know, people sitting on a chair. And I didn't want it to be, you know, dynamic or, or you know, about... Um, movement or anything like that. I, I was, I was very taken with just the stillness of someone, you know, sitting on a chair in front of a table. And how did you learn to do that? Oh, just from doing it, really. I think that's how you learn, you know, in in the arts in general. Is do it. The more you do it, the more you learn. And and looking, you know, looked through a lot of books. I remember I first went overseas when I was quite young what was I 22 or something and I drew a little bit when I was there but mainly I was making um, collages out of uh, packaging material um, that I'd find I was in France and then I was in Italy Mm. I was overseas for about five months I think so did you um, find that period of five months away was uh changed your um direction yeah yeah it really did um i saw those bonard uh bath paintings in the um art modern de la ville de paris and they were just extraordinary you know they have them in their permanent collection there Mm. and i remember walking into the room and they they just was a room (laughs) filled with you know the bath paintings and, and also, also um, uh, little studies that he'd done of his wife. And um, and they were so good and they were so painterly. And it was just extraordinary. There's no one in there. It was like two people mm. in this room. And I think that's so wonderful to, to have it all to yourself. Yeah. And you can study it and look at it and walk walk back and look at it from all distances and yeah. you know and then have a look really close up as well what was it about that sort of painting that attracted you i guess the humanity in it that's something that i've always loved in 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 bonnard's work is that um if you think about the time when he was working i've got books that are just on his drawings mm. for example and they're very they're very sort of scribbly, scrappy little drawings. Sometimes he did them on uh, in diaries, you know, so it'll, it'll say the date on top and there'll be like a drawing of, uh, of a cat or his wife's face and, you know, um, beautiful drawings. They're, they're, mm. And it had a very human feeling and that's something that that is unquantifiable, you know. You can't actually uh, teach someone to do that it's something that you always look for but I suppose it's a certain emotion isn't it that's being uh, well there conveyed. is yeah yeah that's very much it it's it's all about as the viewer what you get emotionally from from a painting or a drawing and I always think that you can get something that's a, a really great painting and um, and you can get 20 people who all think that it's 
brilliant, you know. And you get them in a room and you ask them individually what they what they like about it and what they get out of it. And you get 20 different responses. Mm. So what is, it, what, is, what is it? What is it in that painting that's giving out 20 different responses? But they're all good, you know. And, uh, you know, there isn't an answer. I think it's like someone singing, okay. Someone will say, oh, well, if you, you know, if you sing in key and, you know, your timing's really good then you'll produce a really good song but that's not the case there's many people who have very strange timing and they're not quite on key or you know their voice breaks in the middle of a high note or something like that but it's utterly beautiful underneath all of my paintings there's drawing i usually start by drawing onto the canvas or the board and then I paint on top of that. And often, um, if the painting isn't going well, if it's getting too tight and it's, it's, it's staying too much within the boundaries that I first set out for it, I'll draw over it again, this mm-hmm. time slightly differently, and I'll sort of break it out of that mould. And do you mind if the, if the drawing shows through the painting? No, I quite, I quite like it. I, I, it's sort of a, it's a different... It's part of it, you know, and I think that's what I think is interesting in um, in other people's work is I like to see all parts of the process. How did you start this? What was the middle point in it? You know, if you um, if you have too dense a build-up of paint, for example, you don't know where it came from in the beginning, and it's nice to have the beginning. Sometimes you lose it. In the end, you won't see any marks that I made in the beginning Mm. and so be it you know that's where that painting went but Mm. um when you're painting um and areas are getting too busy um you just simplify it block them out block it back into Mm. shapes you know you know you you can do that in painting and that's something that is harder to do in drawing so I've Mm. often wanted to to have the ability to do that in drawing and in the same way drawing is so wonderfully immediate in the in the you're just putting a line on a page um and that's enough to tell people that that, that's a cup for example um whereas in painting you might have to do a lot more to tell people that it's a cup but you know uh but but i've always wanted to have that immediate um that sense of immediacy that you get from drawing I'd, i'd love to transfer that into painting where you know you just make a few marks Mm. and that's something well i think a good example of that is your work which won the um 2012 new south wales parliament en plein air uh, prize uh which was called quiet street bulleye that was basically a a suburban street scene with cars it sort of irregularly parked on either side of the road if you actually zoom in on these cars that some of them are just like a couple of squiggly brush strokes mm. and um they're actually quite almost abstract in themselves yeah um they are quite abstract how do you achieve that well, i don't know if you can explain that but... well look my mother was always really good at shorthand uh and she used to do shopping lists all sorts of things in yeah. in shorthand and i guess that's something that i also like to see 
in drawing and in painting. I mean, if I look at the the harbour scenes that Arthur Streeton did, you know, the brevity that he uses for such complicated little forms sometimes, um, they will just be a loaded mark in paint and then a little bit of colour next to it. And that will be a boat with its shadow falling on the water. And it was it will be as clear as day that that's what it is. But if you go in and have a close look at it, it's nothing more than a couple of little pieces of paint. And it always fascinated me. And um, I know we talked earlier about, you know, why you paint like you paint. And I was saying that I think it has a lot to do with your personality. I would love to be the type of person who works on a painting for a very long time, methodically setting it up from, you know, the thin washes into, you know, blocking in all the tones first in various shades of brown. I'd love to paint in that way. It'd be very satisfying because, you know, when you came to the end of it um, would be when it looks its best, you know. So yeah. so you've gone through this whole process and this satisfying process, but... I'm too impatient and my brain's jumping from one thing to another and um, I I don't have, you know, the patience and the self-control to do it. So I could never paint in that way. No matter how attracted I was to that style of painting, I couldn't do it. Mm. And I think that's something in painting and in drawing and in sculpture too, that you've you've got to understand yourself. You've got to know what your limitations are, what mm. your um, what your strengths are. So, do you think your strengths are sort of capturing uh, a scene in a very immediate way and and translating that onto the canvas quickly? Yeah, I think I think um, I think speed is is part of it for me, but I don't think I'm necessarily. That's a funny thing. I don't think I'm necessarily good at capturing it quickly I might paint over it or draw over it again and again and again to get it right the funny thing is that the painting you talked about before the quiet street bull eye that I did um, there's a painting of uh, my wife on the couch with a migraine underneath that and it's got a lot of yellow in it and some pink and you see that coming through in the sky of it the colour of it from underneath, you see. And that's probably, you know, it's very key to the painting to have that in there. And so things that you do that fail underneath, they can be part of the reason why something is a more successful painting in the end. And when you were doing the sky, did you always, did you think to yourself before you started doing it, great, I'm going to let that show through? No. How I sort of think about it with with painting is that your your kind of instinctual subconscious brain is further ahead of the game than your conscious brain. So it's best not to think about things too much as you're doing them, but to just do and respond to, I guess, instinct and what something's telling you to do. If you think oh, that has to be a dark blue. Don't go, oh, but it might look good as a sort of more ready tone. I've got a lot of cool tones in this painting, so I probably need to bring a warm tone in. So I'll ignore my first instinct. You should never do that. 
If it's wrong in the process further down the line, then change it. If you were uh, to, say, do a landscape on plein air and yeah. in the out- outdoors, would you spend much time composing that or would you just launch straight into it and then decide as you go along what you're going to leave in, what you're going to leave out? I would launch straight into it. But if you're unsure, it's always helpful to do a little drawing first, mm. you know. Just do it in a few bold shapes. See what that looks like as a drawing. Um, still put everything in. And then as, you, as you're working on it, take things out if it's too busy or, you know, it doesn't need that in. You know, the worst thing in the world, I think, is when you, um, you go and have, have a look at a show somewhere and someone has done some landscape paintings and there's this really nice landscape that they've done. But then they've put in this crappy wire fence that's in the <laughs> foreground, you know, that's got some no trespassing sign or something on it like this. And you think to yourself, yeah, sure, that was actually there. But so what? You don't have to put it in. Yeah. Um, and if it's detrimental to, you know, the painting as a whole, you've got to leave it out. And it hurts a little bit, you know. Yeah, but yeah, because you're sort of invested in it, you know. Yeah, but it's a it's a minor pain when you really think about other things in your life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what I'm always saying to people, you know. Um, yeah, you've invested some time into the painting of that, you know. But I'm telling you, paint it out. Yeah. This is not going to hurt that much. Yeah, that's right. And you'll have a decent painting. Leave it in and you'll have a you'll have a dreadful painting that you've got up on your wall at home looking at it going, oh, I should have painted that bottle yeah, out like exactly. John told me to. And just because you know? I spent three hours on it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean I should good. keep it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, there's still, you know, there's marks that I that I make, you know, that I often, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit upsetting to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, like what sort of, what do you mean? Oh, sort of well, you know, something just looks too much like you did it you know um <laughs> you're just always trying to escape <laughs> yeah i think for a period of your life you want to escape um you know the way that that you that you do things um and it's the same that they say that uh, if you meet someone who has a similar personality to you you really won't like them and I think that's the yeah. way with your work. Like I told you about all the work that's <laughs> hanging in the house, very few of them are mine. Because if I sit there on the couch having a cup of tea and I'm looking at a painting of mine, I'm going to pick it to pieces. Yeah. And in the end, yeah. I'll take it back downstairs and work on it again. <laughs> um, whereas other people's work, I can really enjoy it. You know, I can yeah. really enjoy it on the walls. Uh, but, you know, and, and that's what, there's something that is always... Uh, been in my mind is that I wonder why other people other people's work who you know painters that I admire what does their work look like to them Mm. because I know what my work looks like to me and I'm sure it's very different to the way that it looks to other people who see it and I'm I'm sure of that because I've met people who um, who who like my work and what they see in it is very different 
to what I do. And they, in what, what way? What would they say? Well, what they think my work's about, for you know, they 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 might think you know it's just about. Let's say we're talking about still life, okay? Mm-hmm. Accurately describing what's on the table and the way the light's falling and the the beautiful colour of things or, you know, something. that, that, that I'm, What I'm doing is I'm trying to describe some sort of beauty. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, most of the time, if, if anything kind of appears beautiful it's it's kind of incidental it's just because the colors that i've seen that i've chosen to butt up against another color or whatever somehow goes together in a in a in a pleasing combination so you're not you're not aiming for that harmony or that it's not it's not primarily what i'm after in a funny way so what what are you after usually i don't know (laughs) But are you That's achieving? But do you, when you finish it, are you satisfied when you look at it and you think, "That's what I was." Sometimes it's a fleeting satisfaction, though. It comes and it goes. Is it? Is it really just recording what you're observing? In a way, it is. But there's something else. Um, there's something in why you're attracted to painting certain things in the first place. What makes you do it? Is, is is part of, of of what the thing is going to be in the end. Mm. And I don't know where that comes from. Like, okay, sometimes I'll, I'll just walk around in the kitchen, I'm doing something, and I'll see, I'll see a cluster of objects that are lying there, and I'll just think, yeah, they've got it. Mm. You know, I want, mm. I'd love to paint that. Well, actually, I want to ask you about, the, about composition. Mm. So when you actually set up a still life... Yeah. Uh, what, what what's your process there? What are you thinking of? Uh, are you really spending a lot of time setting that up or is that something that might change as you go along? It's usually things that I see together. Um, often I'll just add more things to the table or um, or the bench if I, you know, see some things on it that are just there from day-to-day family life and I'll go, oh, yeah. I really like those. I won't sort of go, oh, I like them because I like, you know, the way those colours play off that or blah, blah, blah. I'll just go, well, I like those together. Mm. Um, you know what? It'd be better if it had this plate in there too. Mm. And I'll pull mm. that across. And you know what I always like? I always like to have a book with some, you know, something on it. That's kind of nice to paint. I really yeah, enjoy yeah. I really enjoy painting uh, the jackets of different books, especially kids' books, you know. Mm. Um, and Do you think it's part of family life yeah. that is attracting you? Yeah, probably. Because the objects are part of your yeah, yeah. Of your everyday family life. And I've had a funny instance, you know, where um, I had a show and it had still lifes in it and this guy came up to me and he said, oh, I really like this painting and he just wanted to ask me about some of the objects in it. And he was saying, and this is obviously a such and such teacup that you've got here. And this is, I can see this is a, you know, such and such plate. And he, he was obviously like an antiques fancier. He he, uh, okay. he had all these objects in mind that it was. Right. You know? And he said, is that right? And I should have said, yeah, sure. Because then he would have bought it, right? Yeah. But I said to him, no, that's actually, that's like a, that's a pepper pig plate that... Um, <laughs> 
that you know my son's friend had it had, and um, and that that's actually a, a, a child's sippy cup, you know, you know, and I was just I was just ruining it for him, and I think that's also something you've got to have in paintings is mystery. I mean, if you see if you see a, a, a landscape, for example, and it's this you know beautiful scene of hills or whatever, if to you that kind of reflected light that you can see coming up over the hill means that you walk up over that hill and the sea opens out before you. Mm. Well, that's what it is to you. Mm. And if someone says to you, oh, no, this was painted in the middle of, you know, regional Victoria, it's nowhere near the sea, it kind of ruins it yeah, for you a little yeah. bit. That's, this, the sea is just over that hill to you, you know, and that's, yeah. that's it to you. And that's why it's lovely to have... To have something with no explanation, and yeah. I find that that this kind of um, in in the the contemporary art world, how those one artist statements for everything, you know. And I think that generally the visual arts is for you to look at, and mm. no explanation should be needed because that's what it's about. It's 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 a visual experience, so you don't really need to read up on it. You just look. I yeah. suppose people want to be able to attach meaning to it. I mean, well, that's it. Um, but, but if you can't derive meaning out of it from looking at it, well, then it doesn't have any meaning for you. So you, to ascribe meaning to it and therefore get meaning out of it because you've read that there's meaning in it, well, you got meaning from the page that you read it off. You didn't get meaning from the actual work. So it's meaningless to you. As a it's, work. It's not a response to, to yeah. your experience of looking at it. And I think um, I was talking to Ray Hughes one day and he said a wonderful statement, which I don't know if it was his to start with, but he said it. He said, you know what the problem is with uh, people in this country? He said, there's too many of them look at artwork, he said, with their ears instead of their eyes. Mm. And I've always liked that. You get it a lot where you say to people, oh, have you seen such and such's work? And they say, "Oh no, but I've heard I've heard of their work." <laughs> Do you feel any pressure to explain your work? Oh, sometimes. It, like, does the gallery do the galleries prefer you to have a bit of a narrative behind? I don't know. A lot of places are always asking for an artist statement these days. I sort of have a I have a statement that I've worked out, and I just sort of changed the name of the painting or whatever for it um, because. You know, what do you want to know? Well, exactly. And also, <laughs> I, I believe that looking at your work, it says, it says such a lot by just looking at it. I mean, I don't need you to be explaining it to me. I hope so. Um, and well, I don't know if that's because, you know, if other painters can appreciate what, what painters do. I think some yeah. people feel a bit insecure about art because they don't mm. quite know how to approach it or what are they supposed to be thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, because sometimes people think they've got to be clever about it or know some theory mm. about art in order to be able to express a view, but it's not like that. Yeah, if you get a, some sort of response from it, well, that's, that's you getting something from it. So what, what do you think is the most common mistake you would see with students? Well, one of the most common mistakes you'd see with students starting painting. I guess... The most common mistake is, is, is just too much fear and being just far too tentative. 
I'm always saying to them, you know, my, my pep talk is like an anti-pep talk that I say to them. And that is that um, I said the percentage of people in this country who care about the arts is tiny, you know. And then the percentage of those people who actually care about the visual arts and painting in general is even smaller. And the percentage of those people who care about what you're producing today... <laughs> is microscopic. I said, it's so small that it's probably just you and me. Maybe someone in your household as well, but, but possibly not. I said, so you may as well just take a stab at it and do something because, yeah. you know, in the end, it's just a couple of people that you, you know, that you're <laughs> satisfying here. It's very depressing, you know. They, I get a lot of blank looks with that one. But, you know, it's the truth. So, yeah, and it's you, the truth. you've got to think about it in those terms that, you know, it's just you you're trying to do something for, really. Well, um, you've had about three group shows in, um, in recent weeks all mm -hmm. around the country and you've got a solo show coming up in November, yeah. King Street Gallery, King Street on William. Yeah, um, I, I never paint towards an exhibition. I just, I just paint and... Um, and hopefully when the exhibition rocks around, I've got enough work for it. Usually I've got more than enough, you know. But, you know, if I haven't got an exhibition on, I'm still producing the same amount of work. I never sort of ramp it up or anything. Right. So you do, it's just a constant process. It's a constant yeah, process. Yeah. I like doing it. It's yeah. probably, you know, it's in my mind, it's, it's like the most exciting thing I can do with my time. So, of course, I try and do it as much as I can. Yeah. Mm. Well... Thanks so much for speaking to me today. It's been a pleasure and good luck with the show. Thank you. Um, and looking forward to the future work. Thank you very much. Lovely to meet you. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with John. You can get details of his show as well as links to things we talked about on the website talkingwithpainters.com and don't forget you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And if you haven't already, why not download the show onto your favourite podcast app? And you could even leave a review on iTunes so other people can find out about the show. Hope you can join me next time for the next episode of Talking With Painters. Thanks for listening.